Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Koshi, and I'm glad that you've joined me for In Focus with Annie J. Koshi, where I look at people and their milestones, places where international changemakers are impacting our world, as well as events that bring our communities together. You can tune in on Saturdays at 4 p.m. to News Talk Saga 960 AM. Follow Saga 960 AM on Instagram and on Facebook, and you can follow me as well on Instagram under Annie J. Koshi or under GTA South Asia Media Network. Armin Musa is a versatile singer, songwriter, composer, and music director from Dhaka, Bangladesh. Her journey has taken her to living in the UK, USA, and performing with various ensembles as well as her own projects. Armin has shared the stage with Grammy winner Bobby McFerrin, Oscar-nominated maestro A.R. Rahman, Bangladesh pop star Arnab, Pakistani band Mekal Hassan Band. Welcome to the show, Armin. Thank you so much. I'm Thank so you so much. Here. I know um, it's very, very late in the night there in Bangladesh. And so I'm really appreciative that you have been able to phone in and speak with us. Now, as a music director, composer, singer, songwriter, poet, music curator, and educator, Armin's journey in music, um, in the music world, officially started in 2005 with her remake of Bengali folk philosopher Radha Raman's Bromor Koigia, which yes, went viral, correct. right, on YouTube. And um, it subsequently has had over 16 million views. Now, you were just out of high school. How on earth did you have the brilliance to put the, something like that out when the rest of us are trying to just get through chemistry class or something and there you are producing music that has 16 million views on it um you know it's i think when i it, it was a i think it, it felt itched already when i was 17 or 18 because i've been wanting to be a musician since I was 13 years old. And I, when I was 13 years old, I formed my first band. And I was like, I want to do what all these people are doing in my underground music scene in Bangladesh. And I was looking at all these um, like rock bands and heavy metal bands. And I was thinking, I want to be that. I want to have a song. And so by the time I was 17, it's it's been four years since I wanted that. And you know, I, I worked with this producer and um, it just, it was really, it just happened. And it actually released, I'd already left Bangladesh by the time it got released and I had no idea it blew up like that. Um, I think YouTube had just come in and, right. um, and and I was just like a university student in another, a foreign student in another country. And the song was blowing up back home. And um, what a beautiful yeah. way. Now, 
you are, you're armed with a degree in economics. Now, that was not very easy uh, to convince your family that you wanted to pursue music as a career. And now, of course, there's a lot that goes behind it. Like you went to a jazz school, you grew up with a lot of rock, blues and jazz around you. For those of you who are tuned in, Armin Musa is the daughter of famed Nazrul singer, Dr. Nasheed Kamal, and the great granddaughter of folk legend, Abu Abbasuddin Ahmed. You've been surrounded by music, folk legends, um, Bengali maestros, you know, I would say, and you've been immersed by all of that from an early age, yet your family was very reluctant to have you pursue music. Why was that? Well, then I have to be very honest about the situation of the music industry in my country. Yeah. Um, it has been, I, I now know why they told me not to do it because it's really tough. There's no infrastructure for people who are outside the commercial zone. Um, and it, it it is my the members of my family who did it full time right. they've really struggled you know especially when they were raising families and um when they were retired there was not a lot of um help and right. it was it was very much um in, we have a term in bangla called dinani din kai which means day i day. eat what yeah. yes it's very day to day right. yeah. so um i think when um you know, my my grandfather and my mother, they always had a day job, even though they were pursuing their artistic things because they knew how tough the industry is. And so they they encouraged me. Yes, of course, they wanted me to be surrounded by music, but they really encouraged me to be good in my studies and and get that degree. And so that I would have a day job um because the industry is so tough and you know many years later i i understand it completely but when i was 18 years old or when i was 21 years old i was like why are you trying to limiting me, me from my yeah. yeah why are you limiting me from my happiness and you know i do get it now but of course i'm really happy i didn't listen to them because i I love my life. You know, it, it is tough. I, I absolutely, being a musician, non-commercial musician in Bangladesh, it is a daily struggle, but I do really love what I do. So um, I'm glad I didn't listen to my family. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad that you didn't either. But we're going to touch upon that because I think COVID really changed the world's impression of arts and music, right? Because when the rest of the world was crumbling and falling apart without the ability to work and interact and whatever, music was really what kept the majority of the world sane. And for those of us um, who had the opportunity to be able to work from a home space, it was uh, our saving grace as well for us to not go insane because it really did feel like solitary confinement for those of us who had a solitary life you know we didn't have that interaction and uh, we're going to speak a little later on in the show to another uh, composer um, and an amazing soul through goal and and we're going to come back and, and see how he dealt with it during that time now your first um, song or EP that, uh, sorry, your first uh, album that you put out was a folk-based album. You really did that in Bengali. You were based in Bangladesh at the time. But I feel like it's almost a tribute to your heritage. Were you singing in the form of music? Is it Bawaya music that you were singing in? Uh, that's more like the folk. Okay, so let's speak about that. And let's speak about the type of music that your family, your your grand, great-grandfather really sang in. 
Um, actually, I would have to correct you there because I have not sung Bhavaya in my life. Okay. I've, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of afraid to touch upon that. I think so. My first album was all my original music. Um, very teenager singer songwriter right. kind of stuff. You know, talking about new love and and it was the opposite of what my family has done. They they were very. My family is very rooted in Bengali. Um, folk music and also knows my mom was a nozal shungi um uh, artist and i did the opposite i did a lot of like real like singer songwriter stuff you know like right. the western version of singer songwriter like three to four chord songs that are just talking about a daily life and um as opposed to like really deep philosophies i and i was 17 years old when i was writing that album so i I was, I am very different from the members of my family and the the kind of music that they've done. And I've continued to do that. And I've continued to be myself. And um, I appreciate that they never asked me to, you know, come and join. If you're going to sing, you you should do what we did. Right. Right. You know, honestly, they, they, even though they didn't really weren't happy that I did the, did what I was doing and going towards the full-time musician life. They never dictated um, what kind of music it should be. And because I, I grew up in a very global world, I had the internet from a young age. So my influences in music was very independent um, from them. At least 50% of my influence is very independent. And I got to do my singer songwriter stuff, which I, I still do. Um, I got to be myself and I, despite my family having such a prominent position in the music world here, I could do something like I was in the indie, I, I am in the indie music scene where nobody knows who my mom is, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, we are tuned in to In Focus with Annie J. Koshi here on Saga 960. I have in conversation with me, Armin Musa. We're going to come back after this break. We're going to talk to her about her lifelong passion to be a student and why that's so important as an artist to have that passion. Stay tuned. I'm going to take a short break right now. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. in focus with Annie J. Koshi and I am speaking to Armin Musa whose choir Gash Foring uh, is what we were listening to right now as we came back in from the break. Now this is Bangladesh's first choir that was founded by Armin Musa. Armin welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. I do want to ask you, because I had trouble understanding, what does gash foring mean? Gash foring, uh, gash means grass and foring means hopper. So it means grasshopper. And um, how did you come up with the name of gash foring for a <laughs> One of the one of the my choir mates uh, came up with it, and you know it's. I think it has the vibe of the music we do. It's very sort of the the music that Kashmiring does is very Bengali. It's um, yes. you know a lot to do with nature and and Bangladeshi folk music and Bangladeshi traditional music has a lot to do with nature. And I think gosh, we we call ourselves the Forings, which is the Hoppers, and um, I think one of my choir members was spot on when we were trying to name it <laughs> which is wonderful now um over the years you have grown into a magnificent singer songwriter and you have released several albums um let's speak about some of your initial albums your first album was released in 2008 was called i gum bahangai and this was an album completely in bengali um were you just writing in bengali at that time you know, I I feel afraid to call myself a singer songwriter these days because um, I don't write all my lyrics. I write maybe fifty percent of them, and especially in Bengali, I've stopped writing in Bengali. But um, I always um, enjoyed having original music um, around me. I I that's the that's the kind of artists that I always followed when I was a child or a teenager, and and when I had these like really lovely musicians in the music scene sort of um, mentor me and they would always say that if you have the ability to create, you know, there's because there's in Bangladesh, there's a lot of singers, but there was always like the ability to create is something that's very special and that doesn't happen to everybody. And so I was always very much encouraged to sing my own songs and like jam sessions and concerts. And um, it led to me trying out this album called I Gumbangai and I got a record label to, um, you know, sort of bring it out and was very lucky enough as, as a 19-year-old to have that. And um, I was living in the UK, I was studying economics, and I would come back in the summers and record the first four songs. And then the next summer, I would do the first next two songs. I think we did it over three summers because I, I would only come back from like a month or, or two months. And um, it really, I think... Because Promorko Yogyad, my first song when I was recorded when I was 17, was a folk song. It was by a producer. It was someone else's song. But I think the next thing, the second thing I did in my career was my own music. And that just defined who I was for the rest of my life. It, now, it, that because... went on. Um, and you went on then uh, to, um, you moved to the UK or to the US and you went on to produce uh, in 2015 your album simultaneously, which was both English and now all of a sudden you had Bengali initially, but you also now included English. You had, I believe, eight songs that were in English and two in Bengali. How mm. was that writing in English and producing music, which had a East-West flavor, would I say? 
didn't think of it like I, you just made me realize that my 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 first album and my second album are in two different languages. It was a very natural transition for me because I'm bilingual. I've studied both languages equally since I was a child, and um, the the second album was made in my last year at Berkeley. So like. I was graduating um, in my last semester is when we recorded it with all of my closest friends. And um, I guess by that, and my first album and my second album have a span of 10 years sort of in right. between them. It's 2008 and 2014, but actually, you know, the first one was, start, I started writing it way before that. So it was, I guess I to the English language a little more as I was living in the UK and in the US and um, my I wasn't writing as much in Bengali anymore and I, I, I but I, I have always written poetry in English even though the songs I was writing were in Bengali and it kind of like switched over and um, it was really great because I don't want to feel limited by language or or skin right. color or heritage or, and you know my roots are very important to me. I moved back to Bangladesh the month after I graduated, uh, so there's no doubt that my country, my roots, my music is important to me. But I also love the fact that I didn't limit myself um, to any genre or language, and um, that album was a testament to that. I think simultaneously. Yeah. You have been one of the artists that is on the Grammy-nominated album, Shuruat, and you performed Jagopia. You put that together. Let's speak about that, which is a song about, is it spreading light within you? It's about rising up, I think, is the nicest way I could say it. And it's about rising up and beyond your past and um, just looking into your present and loving what you have. Uh, my mother, Dr. Nashid Kamal, she's written the lyrics and, you know, it, it's, it's been such a uh, emotional um, experience having been on Shuruat uh, with a song with my mother. It's the first time I've ever collaborated with her. And um, I think her, her vision of the, the, the lyrics was about, um, allowing yourself to live in the present moment and live in glory. You know, sometimes we hold ourselves back from yeah. what we have because we're always so worried about the past and the future. And I think the song is about, it's about allowance. It's about saying it's you can you know rise up from whatever has happened to you and and just be present and be yourself and love yourself for whatever you have gone through um and I think both my mother and I and my mother has been through a really interesting journey of of, of her personal and professional life I think it came from that definitely now, I'm going to come back and speak with as Armin because there is so much more behind this beautiful soul. We're going to come back and visit her. But, you know, I do have an amazing other artist with me today. And I think I'm going to have to call them both back and do a dedicated show to each of them. With me also is Dhruv Goel. He's a Los Angeles-based composer, music producer, and vocalist. Born in Lucknow, India, Dhruv grew up in New Delhi, studying Indian classical music under Pandit Nirmalaya Dev. 
He then went on to study and graduate from the Berklee College of Music in Boston, USA. Welcome to the show, Dhruv. Thank you, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. This is, yeah, this is amazing. Thanks. It's amazing to have your um, presence here. I, I know you've got a very busy schedule, uh, but I want to dive back into young Dhruv. When you were studying, you're learning the basics of Hindustani classical music, specifically trying to sing in Kyal in Lucknow. Yeah, so um, <laughs> um, I started singing at a very, very young age. My, especially my grandfather really wanted me to sing. We don't have any like professional musicians in my family. Right. Um, um, but uh um, you know, we sing a lot at home. You know, my earliest and happiest memories are of, you know, the family sitting and singing for hours and, you know, in evenings when people would come over and uh, often me and my younger brother, you know, Akash, we would sing and, uh, you know, people would come and uh, my grandfather would be like, oh, Dhruv, can you sing us a song? And like, you know, and this has started at a very young age. So I actually did my first uh, little recital concert when I was maybe five or so and I used to I mean this was when I was in in Lucknow and uh, till date I remember it was like um, I was in my school auditorium it was like an independence day event and there were like a thousand kids in the um, in the audience and I was like tiny and I was sitting with my Guruji (laughs) and uh, and I was about to sing and I was like so scared and I remember it like it was yesterday Right. this um, this this kid in the front row just kind of looking at me and putting his thumbs up and being like hey and I think it's since I it's it's just been uh that stuck with me and I kind of stuck with music because of that my like my parents and my my grandfather really um helped me stay in I that's why I started studying with Pandit uh, Nirmala Deji um, Dhrupad um, yes. Now, Drupad is a core part of the Indian culture. I do want to yeah. let my listeners know that it's regarded as an ancient form uh, of musical art. And it's very difficult uh, today to find actual pure yeah. Um, yeah. artists that sing in that. And so yeah. to learn under Pandit Nirmala Ade is um, such a, an honor. Now, the art of Drupad takes decades and decades of sophisticated yeah. and rigorous training in order to master what was yeah. it like and what is it like to learn so, under him? So, um, I mean, I just want to preface this. I'm not, a, I wish I could sing Drupad, like, you know, perform. I never performed Drupad, but I studied with him for 10 years. So the, the way Drupad is, it's like one of the oldest forms of, you know, in, in um, pl- classical vocal music. It started off in the temples with chanting and it kind of evolved from there. Um, so often it is actually different from uh, the khayal kind of music where it is it's less flamboyant and you know um, stage worthy and it is more like introspective and often uh, you know develops slowly but but it has various forms it also gets you know loud and fast and exciting so um, but what it, that did to me personally as a musician is it formed and shaped my aesthetic in music right. and what um, my phrasing like what I found, uh, like what I found pleasing in music is, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Nirmala Desar, like he, like, I mean, obviously my entire vocal, you know, training came from there, um, but he performs very, um, rig- you know, rigorously, he's performing all over the world, but uh, uh, we, ch- we chat often, I mean, like, you know, he, he wishes that sometimes I would do Rupert, but I do this. 
Uh, right, right. Uh, I'm sure as a teacher, you know, he's watched your journey over the last 10 years. And I'm sure in the his heart of hearts, he wants to hear how, you know, he has performed as a teacher as well. Because as you yeah. know, as teachers do, um, yeah. it, the legacy of, of your work as a teacher comes yeah. when your students... Absolutely were, critical role. He didn't, right? Absolutely. Comes back I after. Yeah. Now, I want to say that you released your first album while you were still in university. The rest of us were, you know, immersed in other stuff. And just like we spoke with Armin, she was doing it in high school you released your first uh, album while you were in university uh, were the early years a struggle for you um you know considering there there are a lot of emerging artists and they have these visions in their head about success and how did you get through those early years of disappointment and setback so uh, my my life my musical journey kind of went through phases i mean this is when i was in delhi um, I was. I went to Delhi University. I also, you know, um, studied economics. While you know, my first. I'm being. I'm South Asian family. We were like, oh, get your. Get <laughs> I know. Your absolutely. You want to do music? That's great. That's a hobby. What's your yeah. job? <laughs> can, can you can you get the job thing? So I I was doing this, and while I was in Delhi University, um, I had a band, um, and uh, we, I mean, wrote music that was electronic, experimental, you know, music. And we released an, you know, we were called Jester. We released an album and uh, it was very interesting going through that process because I learned that process pretty early on. And uh, it was actually right after that, that I um, got to know about Berkeley, you know, in Boston and right. uh, auditioned, you know, thankfully, you know, got a scholarship and stuff and then, yeah, moved there to and study more music. Landed in Boston. We're going to take a short break right now. This is In Focus with Annie J. Koshi here on Saga 960. Can you hear the energy in this radio show? Well, absolutely, because we have got two power-packed composers, musicians with me today, and I'm going to come back and dive right back into who Dhruv Goel is. You're going to want to stay tuned because he's written over 100 songs for Remeda's music initiative, and those um, videos have been used on platforms such as Facebook video, Instagram video, and Instagram Reels. Stay tuned. We're going to come back after this message. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960am.ca. Welcome back to In Focus with Annie J. Koshi, and we are in conversation with Dhruv Gol, who is a featured composer on the Grammy-nominated album Shuruat. He has composed music for award-winning films such as To the Letter, which was done by CBS, Thank You, Come Again, which is visual communications, The Return, and Coming Out with the Help of a Time Machine. He has also produced songs for the TV music series Shake Your Tail with Chippendale, which is on Disney, and has worked as an orchestra on the TV show Mira, Royal Detective. His music can also be heard on TV shows such as Haunted, which is on Netflix, Little Women, Atlanta, and Guy's Grocery Games, which is on Food Network. Welcome back to the show, Dhruv. Thank you, Annie. Thanks so much. You know, before the break, I let out of the bag that you have produced or written over 100 songs for Meta's music initiative. Let's speak about that and how you go about doing so many and what's your 
how's what how's your passion for that fueled what what sort of sets you off yeah so this is kind of an interesting uh um, you know, gig that I started working with, you know, then Facebook, now Meta, um, um, they kind of reached out to me and, uh, you know, they were building this uh, um, musical playlist that basically people who wanted to make, you know, videos on on Instagram and Facebook and especially Instagram Reels would use right. in their uh, in their videos. So they just started, uh, they kind of came to me and they were like, can you just write music that you, you know, of what you want music, Indian music to sound like, you know, pop music or like some, right. some stuff that's modern. And uh, yeah, so I started that like almost like four years or so back and I've been like writing, I've written a lot of music for them. Um, some of these tracks are really popular on like on reels. Yes. Uh, on reels and got like, Sometimes well, I will let it out of the yeah. bag that yeah. some of his videos featuring compositions have accumulated over 1 billion views. That's right. That's a billion with a B. Yeah. And so <laughs> it is not a joke when I say that we have a musical powerhouse in studio yeah. with us yeah. right now. <laughs> Through Social media is crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it is, but it also stuff. speaks of the talent yeah. and the caliber of what it is that you actually produce. Now, you have worked on Hans Zimmer. Zimmer's remote control productions as both a vocalist and an additional composer yeah. on movies such as Toto Mal and Sky Hunter. You've also been featured as a music copyist, which I would suggest is uh, similar to a, um, a score. Would you say musical score? Yeah, 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 yeah. I will. Yeah, I can. It's it's actually a pretty technical thing. So um, uh, right when I like after I graduated in Boston, I came to LA. And that's when I started working first, actually, as a music copyist. And music copyists are historically like, you know, the composer would write a score in, um, in, in on, on a score paper, right? Right. Like the, the 60s, 70s, or, or when, before computers. Right. And then music copyists would take those scores and make sim like individual parts for people to play in an orchestra. Right. Right. Now, how that's changed now is that people make music in a software. And I was working at this company called Joanne Music. Um, and we would take um, scores like software music and basically put it onto like a score, um, written score that, you know, that we would record at the Sony studios or the Fox studios. So, but um, the incredible opportunity was that I got to work on like some really Amazing big Amazing movies. movies. Now, yeah. uh, Dhruv has actually been the music copyist on movies and you will know these, uh, X-Men, Apocalypse, uh, 20th Century Fox, La La Land, which was by Lionsgate and Star Wars: The Last Jedi by Walt Disney Studios. What was it like to work on these blockbuster films? Oh, this was insane! This was insane. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was a tiny, tiny part of this giant machinery, but I was working with some of my heroes. I mean, I got to like chat with John Williams on the phone. <laughs> like what? Like I, I mean, like a, I don't know, like five-year-old me didn't like what? Like that's crazy. Um, so. But it was also, it gave me a very um, um, in-depth uh, understanding of uh, how that process worked. And uh, it helps me today, you know, till date on like how to structure my entire process to make it work seamlessly. 
Now I want to jump right into what we were talking about, which is really the music um, production aspect. The electronic music production degree is what you have. You have sound design as a background. You studied this at Berklee College of Music. And um, when you have a vision as a music copyist um, and you put it down on paper and you're actually scoring it and you see that come into fruition when it's put to the video, is it always as seamless and easy as we think it might be? So it's often a different uh, process um, for people who have only write music in terms of like with paper pen and, you know, like old school way and then record it. I mean, for them also, it's like all in their head and then they hear it. Right. So there are very, very few people who are able to like who for film, right? Like that anyway. Um, also because the the way film music has changed that, you know, directors want to see what's or hear what that music sounds against picture before they try to hire people to record their music and put all that, you know, um, uh, investment in. But now what happens is that you can mock up the sound of what you want it to sound like, often almost like 90, 95% in the computer, you know, with production techniques. So it's still, the difference becomes that now you think about it and you also have to make it sound like 90, 95% so that everyone signs off on it and producers sign off on it, the, you know, the entire team signs off on it. And then we record, you know, parts of it. So that's how, so, and for the computer, uh, composer and the musician, the, the job has become kind of like evolved in the way that now you also have to know production and a little bit of mixing right. and a little bit of like everything. Yeah. yeah. Versus like earlier, there were a lot more like chopped out parts where you're the orchestrator, you're the, you know, this player, you're the mixing engineer, you're the recording engineer. So like with technology, the interesting part that's happened is that it's leveled the playing field a lot and made it a lot flatter. But uh, what you're supposed to know or what you're expected to know is now like vast yeah, enough. vastly different. Yeah. Now, does that mean that there are um, less opportunities for incoming individuals to actually be able to make their mark? Because before there were so many individualized roles and you had a specific role right now, as you were mentioning, it's one person who wears multiple hats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, but like anything, um, like any other job, like what the internet has done to, you know, um, to all for forms of field is that it's easier to discover talent earlier like you couldn't be i mean uh, i mean uh, you know a kid like growing up in a small city thinking that they would like you know go and you know work on something that's you know crazy big in hollywood or something it was these were some of these dreams are very hard to even imagine possible but but because of the internet like i mean we can put out stuff and uh, we get a grammy nomination like it's like we you know exactly. we don't we didn't know possible we didn't know like like Absolutely. So speaking about Grammy nomination, yeah. I want to bring us back to talk about your song that you actually put together for Shuruat. Let's speak on Pina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so Pina is, uh, well, it's very, very close to my heart. It was uh, um, actually written by Ms. Fatima Vasia Jesse, who is, uh, who's no more now. But uh, she was the you know, grandmother of uh, one of my closest friends from school, um, Arsalan Khazilbash. And uh, she was an incredible poet, like often considered one of the most prominent you know, female Urdu poets from India. She'd written over 10 books, started writing from a very young age, finished her education much later in life. 
um, but kept writing books. She would often be traveling overseas for mushairas and, and ghazals. And in a world which was fairly male, you know, like that, that world is a very male dominated space. Right. So, but she stood for, you know, women education and empowerment and and so that's a, a message. Is, uh, that's, what I'm trying to say in a nutshell is she's a hero of mine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She's always a hero of mine. And I was fortunate to spend uh, a fair amount of time in my childhood, you know, because I'd go to Arslan's place a lot and we'd chat about like Urdu and about poetry. So this was, a Pina was actually a poem she had written. Right. And uh, what does Pina yeah, mean? Hidden within. It means what is hidden within, like not everything is, uh, you know, don't like, it's like a don't judge a book by its cover right. thing. So it's like the word Pina actually just means hidden within and the song and the um, it was a ghazal that I kind of like, you know, played around the form with, etc. cetera. Um, it, it talked about how, um, um, you know, it's, well, the it boils down to this line in the song, which is, Ek sahi hai to asma ke beech, le jai hawa itni hawa se kam nahi which translates to, despite it being a fistful of feathers, it flies among the sky. It, it, she, it talked about a bird, which, you know, she kind of like projected herself. He said, right. but but even the mighty wind doesn't like kind of decide where this bird fl- flies, despite right. it being like this tiny thing in the sky. And that is what the song was about, is like, don't uh, underestimate the kind of, uh, you know, you know, the person you are, you mean, you can be a small person or you can be like, you know, not come from a place of high privilege, but, you know, you have power, you have agency, exercise it. We can, you know, we can, uh, I mean, it's a very like um, uplifting song. So I really loved it and I really want to write music to it. And <laughs> so I did. And uh, then I took it, you know, to the ensemble, you know, um, with Annette. Annette's like an elder sister to us. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we recorded with the ensemble, and that was incredible. Now, Dhruv has performed with famous musicians such as Oscar Award winner, music composer A.R. Rahman, vocalist Vijay Prakash, music producer and composer Clinton Sarejo, and has worked on song recordings with the in- Berkeley Indian Ensemble. What was it like for you to be invited to join their album, Shuruwat? And what was your reaction when you heard that it's been nominated for a Grammy? Um, so um, I was a part of the ensemble as it was in its formative years. Yes. You know, when it was kind Which of, is in, uh, was very significant because it's also um, representing Berkeley Indian uh, Ensembles doing its 10th year, right? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. For you oh, to wow. be in yes, right, and the <laughs> album represents that, everything. right? So yeah. it's fantastic that you were yeah. in the inception stages with Annette. Yeah, yeah. So, so right in the in the, in the beginning, and this was pre, you know, our you know our music and our videos kind of blew up on YouTube, and you know before you know the ARMAN concert. Um, so they were like family. I mean, we I was just kind of finding community and family because I'd come to Boston and uh, I was just like kind of hungry for home and you know and I found like home and community um with uh within this within this family and uh so we just started uh uh making music you know doing these covers and then started making and then we were like oh what if we start writing some original music for this 
that's when you know I was like oh yeah I actually have something and then I had to finish it and then, I mean, like the rest of us I have to jump yeah. in here and say if you're listening in we just have something in the closet let's just do this right meanwhile he has spent a lot of his life work just producing and composing and writing and thinking and dreaming about this and he yeah. just happened to have a song that was perfect for this but, we are listening to Dhruv Goel here on In Focus with Annie J. Koshi on Saga 960 we're not done yet there is so much to unpack with this wonderful soul but we're going to come back and I want to see the vibe between both of these great composers this is Armin Musa as well as Dhruv Goal we're going to take a short break right now when we come back we're going to see if they learn something new about each other because they were both tuned in right now as we were talking and I know I heard some gasps in the background as they heard some inside scoops of the other person so stay tuned we're going to be back Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Well, this is an interesting, interesting show. Welcome back to In Focus with Annie J. Koshi. And we are in conversation with composers Armin Musa and Dhruv Goel. And it has been such a jam-packed show. Thank you both of you for joining in on this conversation. And we're going to get you to go back and forth right now. As you were listening... I heard gasps and you know, <laughs> and I could just feel yeah. that energy pumping through. Was there something that you learned through about Armin that you had no idea about? Yeah, I mean, like I didn't know she did. She had a degree in economics before she went. <laughs> How to, like, long have you known each other? Like ten years. Ten years. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so like, they both have a background in economics, and yet they're passionate the about music. <laughs> we have. We both have an economics degree and a music degree. And eh? a music degree. <laughs> And, that and is like, an like incredible undergraduate um, degrees in both. Yes, undergrad degrees in both. Undergraduate degrees. Yes. <laughs> okay, and so Armin, I know that um, when Dhruv was speaking, I could hear you on my other year, and you gasped. What was it that you gasped about? One billion videos <laughs> made from Dhruv's music. Like, this figure I did not know. I did know that J-Lo uploaded his music on her birthday video. Um, and that was crazy. You know, it was all over Instagram. And I was like, because I, I do go on the Facebook sound collection and I search through when I listen to what he does sometimes. Um, and Indirectly, but, you know, as you all heard right now, we are all stalking <laughs> through Goel now, right? So all of us, all of a sudden, the the views on J Lo's birthday song is gonna like jack up, and and we're all gonna see oh Drew Goel's songs on Instagram reels right now. It's like oh we heard that interview on, and now we all know who is the composer, the musician behind some of these real songs that we're hearing. I do want to add something that you know Drew knows. Oh, sweet. For the however long that we've done Jagopia, but his his um, sort of co- composing Pinha with the whole ensemble was one of the reasons why I was inspired to create Jagopia. He knows this. I've told him many times, but one of the biggest inspirations of creating Jagopia was Pinha. You know, 
I Pitana is one of my most favorite songs in the whole world. I loved singing it. And I also found a lot of encouragement to create something for the ensemble. Because, you know, I, I'm a singer-songwriter. My songs are a little more, you know, individual. It's one person singing two, three-chord songs. And I didn't think that I had the ability to write something like Jagopia. And I remember hearing um, Pinha. I remember hearing our friend Sashank um, Sajna and Ishita's um her own track that she did like completely based on a sargam and I was like wow you know they're creating their own songs with their elements that they're you know Bulesha and then Ishita doing the whole thing on sargam and then Dhruv taking this poem and I was like I I want to try something like that because I hadn't before it was the first time I've written something like that or composed something like that and um I, I I credit through all the time for for Pinha. I credit the song Pinha for being one of the inspirations behind Jagopia. And Definitely. I I'm not to like return a compliment here, but uh, <laughs> Army like Jagopia. It's never. I mean, I was there when we were recording it. It was like goosebumps all the time. Like that is one of the most powerful choruses one can ever hear. Like till date, I will I will play the song and it'll be goosebumps. Yes. So it's. And incredible. I mean, I think uh, Armin inspired, inspires us, like, you know, yes. the entire ensemble. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be able to, like, yeah, make music with such incredible people. And that's yeah, the beauty seriously. of it. Armin, I want to ask you, uh, what's coming up next and where can people find you? Uh, so, yeah, ever since I left Boston, I haven't really made a studio album and I am, I did a live album in 2019, but it's, you know, making a studio album is a, such a big thing. You have to take so much time off from your daily, you know, day, you know, my Dina Nidin Kai that I said. Right, your day to day. My day to day working and um, so... I'm really hoping that 2023 is the year that I make another studio album after well, 2014. We're going to put that out there because we're going to give birth to it into the universe. And for those of you who are listening, go into her music, go into her website. Where can people find you uh, when they want to reach out to you? We hope to see you here in Toronto as well. So looking forward to you coming out here to sing your music and be part of the music you know, work here maybe bringing all of the Berkeley Indian ensemble here with you when you do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, Armin Musa, A-R-M-E-E-N-M-U-S-A. And um, that's my Instagram handle. That's my Facebook handle, my YouTube handle, my Twitter handle. Uh, I think that's all I have. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, you know, and also one of my, I just want to put it out, since we're putting things out there, I have been writing poetry for a long time as well. And I'm I'm hoping that 2023 is a year that I, I publish my first poetry book as well. Woohoo! That's going to be a big, big moment. Now, for those of you listening, Armin is not just a musician, a composer, a lyricist. A lyricist. She is actually a foodie. That's right. Yeah. She loves foodie. And she has her own food blog. And she also does food photography. What a woman of my own heart. <laughs> Tell me, Armin, this is like your secret passion. I, you know, let it out of the bag. I, this is something we're going to have to come um, back and talk about in detail. I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> and um, talk just yeah, about food. Yeah. Uh, Dhruv, tell us what's coming up next and where can people get a hold of you? Um, 
Yeah, so um, for next year, I'm right now working on a feature film um, out of India. So that, which I can't like obviously talk hush, about much. Hush. But, Stay yeah, tuned. But, you might see something on his Instagram or on his Facebook. That means you yeah, should but, find um, it. And uh, I'm uh, finally, so I haven't put out an album since ever. So <laughs> I'm going to like my under my own name. So I'm actually finally going to, because I, I feel like I just kind of keep prioritizing every other project over it, over music that I want to. And uh, I was kind of very critical about what I wanted to say in an album because uh, like uh, there's so much music and like every time, you know, I want, when I put out something, I really want to say something that I really want to put out into the universe. Right. Like, you know, lyrically. Um, I've been slowly curating it and putting it together, but I'm thinking, you know, next year of, of putting out an EP, maybe like in the first half. Wow. So... Well, yeah. send us that link because Woo! I would love to yes. be able to hear it. Exactly, Armin. Mm -hmm. Let's hoop for that. Yes. Wow. What yeah. an interesting show we have had today. Dhruv, where can people reach you? What's the best place to reach um, you at? Instagram's good. Um, my name is just Dhruv Goel. So that's spelled D-H-R-U-V-G-O-E-L. And uh, it's the same for Facebook and Instagram. Well, yeah. I want to all my listeners go out there, find his reel on Instagram and do a shout out for In Focus on any. <laughs> oh, yeah. On, uh, Saga 960. What a wonderful way to promote and support these artists. Are you interested in being on my show? Just reach out to me at info at Saga 960 AM.ca. Attention Annie or the Ninja. If you've missed out on any of my live shows, you can tune in on Thursdays for a repeat show from 9 to 10 p.m. Or you can also tune in on our website at www.saUGA960am.ca, where there will be a podcast of this and other great shows. Well, there you have it. Have a great Saturday afternoon. Stay safe and continue to be your beautiful self. And I'll talk to you all next week. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.